Hey guys, what's up? Good to see you. I'm excited you guys are here. I know we got a whole lot of people at the competition, but excited you guys were able to make it. Um, so I'm excited today, all right? My title is The Two Trees. And I'm gonna talk about something that I normally kind of breeze over in messages because we have a different point that we're getting to that day. But today I'm gonna take some time and we're gonna go over um, a little bit of theology, not too much, but we're gonna talk a little bit about um, determinism. If you guys don't know what that is, that's the belief if I held up an apple and an orange and I asked you to pick one, determinism says that you are actually not able to choose one, <laughs> that something chooses it for you. And um, normally that's more of like an atheist view. Um, most Christians fall into what we call free will. Um, Calvinists sometimes believe in more of a divine determinism, which says God actually choo chooses and predetermines everything. And then we're kind of just walking it out. So I don't know kind of what your background is or what you believe, but we're going to talk a little bit about free will, why I believe in free will. And um, we're going to just kind of go from there, all right? So before we get too far into it, I just kind of want to read the definition of determinism, just in case you guys are like, I've never heard that word, which I know is possible, right? So determinism is the doctrine that all events, including human action, are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. Some philosophers have taken determinism to imply that individual human beings have no free will and cannot be held morally responsible for their actions. All right, so that's kind of, um, most atheists argue this because once you accept free will, it eventually points its way back to God. But um, that's what determinism is. And then divine determinism is pretty much the same definition, but it's God, all right? So atheists believe that it's um, molecules in mo motion, and that's what essentially creates us and our decisions that we make and all that good stuff. All right, so we're going to be talking about the two trees and all that to be said. I'm going to start off with asking you guys a question. All right, have any of you guys ever had a regret? Anybody? All right. Thank you. I was afraid it was just me. Caleb hasn't, but Wendy has. He didn't raise his hand. Um, has anyone ever made a bad decision? Has anyone ever made a decision that if you could go back, you would go, you know what? I might change it. I might change it. Yes? Okay. Thank God. All right? Because I was about to say we could switch places because I'm feeling a little bit messed up right now. I've made um, some interesting decisions in my life, and apparently you have, and I've had a few regrets. I, about, I wanted to throw up the slide. Have you guys seen the people that get tattoos that say no regrets, and they accidentally spell it no regrets? <laughs> yeah, that would be a regret of mine, all right? That would definitely be a regret of mine. So this is the interesting thing, okay? Every regret, every bad decision that you've ever made you have yourself to think. Even more than that, all right? Are you ready for this? Every bad decision you've ever made, you are actually the mastermind behind that decision. <laughs> now, maybe, granted, you had some outside voices or some external help, right? But in the end, 
it was you that was convinced to decide what you decided. Every single poor financial choice, relationship choice, whatever it might have been, you were the one that decided it. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Happy Sunday, right? <laughs> and, and that's where we are. Whether you had to um, pay a ticket, a fine, or maybe even some jail time, don't raise your hand, you don't have to. It came from a decision that we made. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, predestination, OK? So like I said, we're going to take our time. We've got a chill Sunday, so I'm not just going to breeze over stuff like I normally do and pretend that everyone knows what I'm talking about, because maybe you don't, all right? So this is the conflict that we get to when we talk about free will, OK? Like I said, majority of Christians believe in free will. Where we get the conflict is it comes to predestination. Anyone really familiar with this topic? All right. So this is where the conflict comes from, is there are five well-known verses that have this word predestined in them. And where the theology comes from is it teaches that, I'll read one for you and then we'll go from there. This is Ephesians 1.11. So this is the more um, common verse that's given to support this theology. Like I said, there's five. This is Ephesians 1.11. It says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have, been re we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. Some versions say he predestined us and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So he chose us in advance. And like I said, it's more of a Calvinist view, but a lot of other um, churches receive the theology as well. And what it teaches is you did not choose God. God chose you. Meaning that you are predestined. All right, so that's what the theology states. Like I said, me personally, I don't quite buy into it. I'm going to tell you why, all right? So maybe you believe that. That's fine. I don't care if you believe the same things I believe. But I'm just going to tell you why I believe what I believe, and I hope you have a good reason for it as well, all right? If God predestined you, if he actually chose you and you had no free will in the statement, why do we pray? Why do we evangelize? Why do we do what we do if we really have no free will over the situation? Why do we evangelize? Why did God say at the Great Commission, go and create disciples of all nations if he's already chosen them to then come into the faith? It wouldn't matter if we sat around and watched TV all day. We already know that God has predestined those people to come into the faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I've watched quite a few movies in my time, and I've watched a couple movies more than once. And just because I know the outcome of thus said movie does not mean that I force the outcome to happen that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, you guys have watched a movie more than once and gone, okay, I know everything that's going to happen, but I don't necessarily like the plot line. I don't necessarily agree with everything that played out the way that it did. And you see, the thing about God is he knows everything that's going to happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he planned it all to happen that way. Makes sense? And this would come into more of a free will type of view that God actually wanted you to be able to choose. 
He doesn't just determine and lay out our steps and say, okay, you're going to be saved and you're not going to be saved because then we'd run into some other problems in Scripture like 2 Peter 3.8, for instance. This says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. So Peter's answering this question. Um, They're wondering, okay, we're in the last days. The Lord was supposed to come back. Like, where is he? So he's answering this question in the statement. And he says, a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So something inside the Lord, according to Second Peter, is stating that he wishes all should reach repentance. So if he wishes that, then how could he have then chosen some to be saved and some not to be saved? If we're also going to accept that, then we also have to believe that he predestined sin. And if we're going to accept that, we also have to believe that he then predestined people to receive punishment at the last day. Because at the end of the day, they were divinely predestined. They have no free will on the subject, so we're going to punish people that could not choose. All of that has to come along with the theology. And I'm going to read a statement that C.S. Lewis said. He said, If God were good, he would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished. But his creatures are neither happy, so either he lacks goodness or power or both. That's a harsh statement, right? This statement right here, this is kind of what we're trying to tackle and lay the foundation um, to eventually talk about the sovereignty of the Lord and how really bad things can happen to good people. And the foundation of that is free will. All right, so that's kind of why we're discussing this today is to kind of lay a theological foundation so that way you can understand why do bad things happen to good people. And like C.S. Lewis said, if God is really all-powerful and he wants you to be happy, why can he not then just make it happen? And the answer would be just like God cannot create a circle square He cannot give you free will and then also grant you happiness. Because when he grants you free will, he also grants free will to the person next to you. And that person might not use their free will the same way that you would. So if you're wondering what my title has to do with any of this you're about to see now, right? This is Genesis 2.9. This is in the moment of creation, and um, verse 9, it says, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right, so he placed two trees in the middle. You guys follow me? So here's God the Father. He puts man, mankind, humans on this planet in this garden where everything is good. Everything is beautiful. And he plants one of the trees 
in the garden and says, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. So I really want you to think about this question. I've been thinking about it for a while. Why did he plant the other tree? I mean, let's, let's think about this in our terminology for a minute. Imagine you had your four-year-old. You put him on the world's best playground, all right? You take an automatic weapon, and you put it in the middle, and you say, son, if you touch this gun, you will surely die. All right, go play. <laughs> Is it worth it at that point, you know? Like, don't put the gun in the playground. Don't plant the other tree. Even more than that, we believe that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, meaning we knew, we know that God knew what would happen. So not only was it, a, it's like us, okay, maybe our four-year-old won't touch the gun. It's like he knew they would touch the gun. And he planted the tree, but yet he's seen, again, you try to wrap your mind around this, okay? This is about to get deep. He's seen the end of the movie, all right? So he knows who will choose and who will not choose. So why not just create a garden without the other tree and put the people in the garden that would choose to not choose the tree? Are you following me? This is really deep, right? This will shake you to your core. Not only did he still plant the tree knowing that they would eat the fruit, but look, it's even more than the four-year-old, right? The four-year-old grabs the gun. Who could he hurt? The four-year-old. Only one in the garden. Adam grabs the fruit from the tree. He not only hurt him, but Paul talks about it in Romans 5, how then from generation to generation to generation to generation and so on and so on, we then inherited that same curse of death. So that one decision not only inflicted death on that one person, but for generations to come. And the Bible says God so loved the world. Okay, remember, he's seen the end in the movie. And we get to read throughout the Old Testament this downward spiral of humanity. All right, you watch the Old Testament where all of a sudden sin enters the world and there's this great divide between man and God. Colossians 1.16 talks about how we were made by God and for God. So the very thing that we were created to do was to bring glory to God. And all of a sudden there's this big sin gap and we're constantly trying to bridge the gap with sacrifices, with judges, with kings. And we do all of this trying to bridge the gap. And then finally, what we talked about last week, Jesus came and finally bridged that gap so we have a chance to walk across it. But he knew what it would take. He knew the people that would be hurt, the people that would die, the people that would suffer, and the sacrifice that his son would have to make. So why plant the other tree? Are you following this? Like, do you realize what a big decision this was to plant the other tree? And he still planted the tree. Why? I would never put a gun in the garden. I would never put a gun on the playground. It's not worth the risk to me. But he still chose to plant the other tree, meaning that this thing called free will, this option to choose or not to choose, was worth 
the price of all of that. The option for you to choose was worth the price of the downward spiral of humanity, was worth the sacrifice of his son, and this is even hard to say, but is even worth the people that will not accept him. Because he already knew. He could have just not created them if that was really going to be their outcome. He could have just created the believers and put us on the garden. We could have had a great time. He would have known who chose. But he still planted the other tree. This is um, 1 Peter 1.13 now. We're in 2 Peter. Now we're over to 1 Peter. Now, if you're not familiar, 1 Peter was written to Christians living in the five regions of Asian Minor, all right? So these are not unbelievers. This isn't the book of Romans. This is 1 Peter written to Christians, all right? So you follow on that? We're, we're reading a letter to Christians, in many ways a letter that he might would write to us. And it says, so prepare your minds for action and self-control. Mind you that many of the Christians that Peter was writing to was actually being persecuted at this very moment, all right? Now, how many of you guys know you have not been persecuted? Christians are kind of like an annoyance, you know? Like we're kind of in the way of the world's goal that they're trying to get to. But you've never been persecuted if you've lived in America your whole life. You have not been persecuted. You might have um, gotten some nasty remarks or maybe people have, um, have just thought less of you. But as far as I know, no one has lost any fingers, limbs, or lives because of the gospel. So these were people that were being persecuted. So they seem to be all in, but yet he says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Exercise self-control. I feel like these people would know all about self-control, you know? Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Look at this. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that your heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. This was the point I was getting at. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. Again, this is interesting stuff, okay? These are believers, not unbelievers. They've already made the decision to follow Christ. Already made the decision. And he looks at them and said, you will be rewarded based off of what you do, based off of the decisions that you make. And it's interesting because it's, it's a real big struggle because when we start to talk about grace, grace is so amazing and grace just keeps abounding that when we talk about it, it's really hard to remember that Paul starts out Romans 6 by saying, does this mean that we should just keep on sinning? And he says, no way. So it's really hard to shuffle this Romans 5 and Romans 6 principle between how great grace is and how important it is still to make good decisions. 
Because you can hear me talk about grace, and when I talk about grace, you'll think, wow, it really doesn't matter if we sin, because that's how good grace is. But then you get to Romans 6, and he's like, no, it actually really matters the decisions that you make. So much so that in 1 Peter, he says to believers that you will be rewarded and judged based off of the decisions that you make. Now, let me be clear, this isn't condemnation, this is actually conviction to go, wow, what decisions have I been making? Now, even more than that, (laughs) I think it's decisions, it's choices that actually bring the greatest possible glory to God. This is why. Because it was your choice that was worth everything else. It was your choice that was worth the downward spiral of humanity. People being hurt, broken, tortured, killed. The sacrifice of Christ, all of that was for your choice to choose. You know, sometimes it's really easy. um, I remember one of my clients telling me about this watch that he found on the subway one time. He was like a, um, a late hour worker. He was like a plumber and did like pipes and stuff like that. And he said, yeah, I, I was coming home and I got on the subway and he said, there was this nice um, watch on the seat. He said it was real shiny and he said, I knew it was a fake. He said, um, I had a nice like $40 watch that I would wear, you know, on weekends and stuff. But I found this watch and I thought, you know what? I'll wear this one when I'm at work because normally I don't like to wear my other watch because I might break it. And he talked about how he wore this watch for a long time and he got like all nasty like plumber stuff on it and he just treated it like garbage, you know? And he said um, at one point one of the links broke and he took it in to get it fixed and, and the watchmaker goes, you know this is a real watch, right? Like this thing is worth like eight grand. And the guy was like, are you kidding me? Like, I have been treating that watch like garbage. Like, I didn't care if it got scratched, broken, damaged. I didn't care because I didn't know what it was actually worth. And the problem is, many of us spend our lives like that. Is You see, if God was willing to actually, the Son of God was willing to die for the option for you to choose, I think sometimes we don't realize the value in our decisions. We don't realize the value because a lot of times we're not aware of the price that was paid. Once you realize, okay, this was the price that was given, you go, wow, that has value. The option for you to choose was paid with an enormous price because it has great value. It's extremely debated whether or not it was why God created at all. C.S. Lewis said, I'm just going to operate from the idea that that question does not exist because I can't wrap my head around whether or not it was better for God to create or not to create at all. But the fact is, he chose to create and he chose to give you a choice. He chose to not only plant a tree, two trees in the garden, but the fact is we live our lives walking around with multiple trees and many of us don't realize the weight and the value behind every single decision that we make. 
because it's our choices that will bring either reward or judgment. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. It says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Like I said, just because God has given you the option of the two trees, you might choose the right one, but someone else might choose the wrong one, and you then get paint splattered on you by their decision. There is so much weight that went into this decision. It wasn't just us that got the choice. It was everyone else too. And they go around and they spill paint and drop paint and it splashes on everybody else. And you know, you hear people say, well, if God was so loving, then why are people dying all around the world from hunger? And you go, well, I don't know. It, it says to feed the hungry. It says to heal the sick, but the problem is it doesn't seem like we're all making the right choices. Did you know that in North America alone, forget about the rest of the world, right? <laughs> That's what we do as Americans anyway. But um, forget about the rest of the world for a second. Just, just North America, not even South America, forget them. If we all gave $11, did you know it would be enough to completely abolish world hunger? Eleven dollars. All right, never mind that. That's that's kind of crazy because you know we got some greedy people and there are people that don't even have eleven dollars, right? So let's take Elon Musk for a minute, right? Greatest person ever. He's not a Christian, but I'm literally praying for him. I'm not kidding you. If Elon Musk was to have an just radical like turnaround and was to follow Christ, the things that he would do would be amazing. Like I'm serious. If you guys aren't praying for him, pray for him. He's awesome. But let's take Elon Musk and let's take his 2021 tax bill, all right? <laughs> Just his tax bill, not his income, all right? His tax bill that he pays the U.S. government. Let's say we split that tax bill in half and we gave half of that money towards the hunger problem in the world. It would be enough not only to pay for all of the food to abolish world hunger, but it would be enough to pay for all the supplies, jet fuel, car fuel, employees to then ex to take the food, shelter to store it, warehouses to build to store it all for generations to come if we were to split Elon Musk's tax bill in half and give that towards world hunger. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I was the US government, I might think, hey, that might be a good way to spend the money. <laughs> Who knows how long it would last, but the, the point is, we all have options and we all have choices and decisions to make that not only affect us, but affect all the people around us. And I believe that God actually paid an enormous price so that you could do that. And I know it's rough and I know it sounds judgmental, but you're actually going to be rewarded or judged based off of it. I know that sounds harsh, but it's just what I read and that's what I think it says, is you're going to be rewarded and judged based off of the decisions that you make. Galatians 6, 7, New Testament, New Covenant, says don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Always, you will always harvest what you plant. 
And the truth is, many of us go throughout our lives, we walk throughout our lives, and we're not even aware of all the trees that are in our garden, all of our choices that we get to make, and all of our choices look different, right? And, and we have loyalty and disloyalty. You know, we got these two trees, and, and when we pick one, what we do is we go and we plant a seed in the ground that we will one day harvest. All right, so I believe every single decision that you make, every tree that you pick from, what you're doing is you're grabbing seeds and you're planting them in your garden. And many of us go throughout our lives and we live and we go, why are people so rude to me? Why do I have no friends? It's because you've never actually sowed friendship into your garden. And we go, why, why do other people seem to be so blessed? I have to hold on to everything I get. And it's like, well, because you've been sowing seeds like this and you've never actually been able to receive like this because you can't, you can't mislead the, the, the justice of God. You will always, always harvest what you plant. That's why many times I've seen it growing up. I grew up in the church and I would watch people um, convert to, to Christianity. They turn this new leaf and they go, okay, it's gonna be different now. And all of a sudden they'd be like, man, nothing's changed for me. Everything's the same. Like, I, I don't think I'm gonna keep doing this. And what they fail to comprehend is that they're always reaping from last year's harvest. So many of us start to plant seeds and we wonder why it's not coming up and it's going, well, what did you plant last year? We're constantly picking from trees and planting seeds, but many of us are reaping seeds from last year's harvest and it just depends, what were you planting? Many of us plant seeds of anger and disappointment and we walk right past the tree of hope and then we reap those seeds every year. And we go, man, I thought 2022 was gonna be different. I put it on my Instagram and I said, this is gonna be my glow up year, this is gonna be it. I had it up there and it's the same and it's because you planted the same seeds in 21 that you planted in 20. You made the same decisions. Psalms 115 says that the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth was given to mankind, or the sons of man, all right? Not only do you have free will, but you have dominion over the place that you were given. God gave dominion over to Adam. And we wonder why we have so many screwed up things in the world, why there's pollution and all this junk. It's because you were given dominion to take care of it and you've done an awful job. We've done an awful job. And it's because we planted those seeds time and time again. Like I said, it's different for every one of us, but I wanna ask and I want you to think about it. What seeds and what trees show up in your day-to-day -day life? When you're on your way to work, what are the two trees that are presented in your life? Impatience or patience, hope or discouragement. What type of tree do you choose from every single day? Lust or purity, whatever it might be, we have these trees in our lives every single day. 
a lot of times every single minute and many of us make decisions and pluck from each tree without realizing the great and enormous price that was paid so that you can choose. And I wonder if we actually understood the value of that decision, would it not then reflect on our decisions? Would we not start actually sowing better seeds and maybe eventually reaping better harvests? I just kind of want to leave you guys with that question and with that statement as we leave today and as we go throughout our week, what decisions do you make? What trees show up in your life? What trees show up in your thought processes that you pick from every single day? Because I believe God paid not just the ultimate price, <laughs> the most unbelievable ultimate price that he was willing, he saw the end of the movie and he goes, I'm gonna plant this tree because it's worth it to me to know that one day in eternity, Gus chose me. I need that. Everything is worth it so that one day I can stand and sit in eternity with my creation and know Douglas chose me when he was surrounded by a garden full of other trees. And he goes, that's the fruit that I want. That's the tree that I want. And God goes, that's worth it all. That's worth the downward spiral. That's worth sickness. That's worth disease. That's worth hunger. I know people are going to screw it up. I know people are going to pick the wrong tree, but it's worth it just so one day we can sit in eternity. And I know that I'm surrounded by people that were made by me and for me and that they chose me. I don't know about you, but I wanna be rewarded by my choices. Because the sad truth is one day, I think we're gonna be judged. And I know it's rough and we don't like to talk about it, but I'd rather talk about it and start planting some good seeds. So that's, um, that's pretty much it for today. Like I said, uh, we're trying to kind of lay the foundation. We're eventually gonna tackle this big subject of the sovereignty of God. Because sometimes bad things happen to good people and it wasn't anyone's free will, right? So we're gonna um, discuss that topic coming up soon. So we appreciate that you guys are here with us, that you took the time out of your day. It's an honor and it's a privilege and we're gonna pray for you guys. And then we'd love for you guys to hang out with us and talk a little bit and um, go get some food. So Father, thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your grace, for your peace. I ask that um, you would just make us aware of the decisions that we make each and every day the mental decisions that we make, the choices that we make, how we treat people, that everything is a choice. That everything is a choice. Father, thank you for choosing to create. Thank you for choosing to create me. And I just wanna honor you with my decisions. We wanna honor you with our decisions. So will you just help us with that? Will you lead us? and make us good decision makers, that we may prosper in every way. Ask for your blessing on everyone here, 
that you'll bless their marriages, their finances, their relationships, their family, that they'll grow closer, that they'll have healthy families, and that will change the world, Father. In your name, amen. Thanks for coming, guys. It was an honor and it was a privilege. If you guys are going to hang out with us tonight, let us know.